You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today I am going to keep a promise. We're just going to look at the defense. I want to change the format ever so slightly so I don't have to try to defend why we should draft a defensive player in the draft because that's going to be even harder when we talk about defense, which feels kind of good to say. But I still want to go through all the positions, just kind of do a yay or nay. Maybe the potential reasons why we might need to get a person in the draft, and then we'll just flip over and look at, all right, first, second round-ish kind of guys, who's out there, who's available. So it's kind of, it's basically I'm doing two things. We're looking at the roster as far as 2020, and it's also, let's just call it what it is, it's a preview of the 2020 uh, draft. I'm trying to make it also interesting for draft folks as well as non-draft folks to just look at the roster as a whole. Trying to cast a wide net, man, because really I just want to talk about the draft, but some people don't care, so let's just talk about everything. Uh, Today, for preliminaries, I just want to focus on two things. I just don't feel like going through it all. You know most of it. Links are in the description if you need anything. Otherwise, just text me, I guess. Only if you really don't know. Don't just... whatever. Number one, let's get this iTunes thing taken care of. We've got 23 more reviews to get to a total of 200. Again, at that point, somebody's going to be getting a PFF Edge subscription. If you would leave a five-star iTunes review and send me a screenshot, I'll add you to that. And once again, it does help uh, the show out quite a bit. And I just want to remind everybody, because people seem to keep forgetting, when I'm asking for a review, I'm asking for a review on the black and gold logo that says Pack Daddy, and on the bottom left it says Powered by Overtime Media. That is my podcast. The green and yellow striped podcast is not my podcast. It plays my podcast, so if you want to listen to it there, I guess that's cool. I'd rather you switch, but do what you got to do. I do understand the convenience of all the podcasts in one place, but it really does help my show if you listen to my podcast, because iTunes can see how many people are actually listening to it. So they see all the reviews, and they're like, oh, that's nice, but you know, nobody's actually listening to your podcast, and that's because everybody's listening on the other podcast. But again, whatever you want to do is fine. Just if you're going to leave me a review... Make sure you leave it on the black and gold Pack Daddy powered by Overtime Media thing. If you Google Packernet Podcasts, iTunes or whatever, it's right on top. It's the first one. Uh, secondly, tomorrow I'm planning on doing a Q&A. Uh, there have been some of them that have been hanging out for quite a while, but I haven't had many, and there isn't very much news or speculation or drama that I care to talk about too much. So I guess what I'm saying is if you got any questions... Throw them up in the Facebook group. Give me a call, 608 because tomorrow is the day. All right, we'll take a break, and we'll get started. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So interestingly enough, for those of you that do not like the alarm interruptions slash dance party stuff, this is potentially going to be the worst day of your life. Because I actually went out and got brand new phones. Got my wife one for Mother's Day and then, you know, I mean, I'm not going to not get one myself. But I switched from the Samsung to the old Google Pixel, and one of the features is you're allowed to... I was a little bit sad when I realized I was going to have to get a new ringtone, but you're allowed to use Spotify. So you got DJ Galaxy over there dropping his beats, and then I got Journey cranked out on my other one, because, I don't know, it was just the one thing that's there. Wouldn't let me actually search, because I don't have premium. So I was like, all right, I'll just play a playlist, I guess, and it was a Journey playlist. I was like, that'll work. It's not super loud and obnoxious but it's kind of cool enough to get me jacked up to wake up if I could just figure out how to make it not super quiet. But anyways, if we end up hitting like a 5 o'clock mark, um, it's going to be it's gonna be a little raucous in here. I was just reminded of that because it went off right before I was about to start, so I spared you from the first one. So anyways, let's start up front. Uh, this is probably one of the least likely between this and Edge Defender um, to have... You know, the Packers want to draft here, especially early in the draft, not to say we wouldn't continue adding as we have. But to look at it realistically, in between our lads and PFF, I don't think there's a single um, depth chart that I agree with. They have uh, Rashawn Gary, Kingsley, Kiki, and Zadarius all as defensive linemen, with our outside linebackers being Preston Smith and Kyler Fackrell. I, uh, that's going to make me cry. I don't think I can look at this. PFF I like a little bit better. But uh, they still have Muhammad Wilkerson on the team, and Kingsley Kiki is an edge rusher. So, I don't know, man. A little effort from somebody would be nice. Not saying Kingsley won't ever rush from the edge. That is to say, when you got a four-man front, they might put him on the edge once in a while. That's definitely true. But to put him as a edge rusher outright seems a little silly. Anyways, Kenny Clark is the man. If we look at it from the standpoint that Dean Lowry and Mike Daniels might be gone after this year, as much as I do like our depth, suddenly our defensive line is not elite anymore. I mean, yeah, you can put Zadarius or Rashawn or whoever on the inside, and you, you still got some talent. But suddenly we're looking at Montravius, Tyler Lancaster, James Looney, um, and Kingsley Kiki. And I know we're jacked up about Kingsley because he's a draft pick and all, but it's basically Kenny Clark and then not really anybody that's super great and then a bunch of edge rushers that we hope are pretty good. I don't know. I mean, it, to me, it changes the whole dynamic. When I'm looking at Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry and Mike Daniels with, you know, Montravius and Looney and Lancaster as backups with Preston and Zadarius and Kyler and, and, and Rashawn Gary and all these guys, yeah, it's a stacked front. 
But a lot of that is predicated on the fact that Mike Daniels is a freak. And just losing Mike Daniels is problematic. So I really don't think it's going to be impossible. Now, and this is, this is actually what this is. This is a perfect Packers pick that's going to send everybody into the crazy town bin. That's right. I said the crazy town bin. Actually makes more literal sense than it should. It's the bin at the crazy town that you jump in when you don't understand things, all right? Out of my face. All right. So something to note, I changed defensive tackle position to defensive line position. I'm sort of regretting that decision, but not really. The point is, not all of the people at the DT position were actual defensive tackles, right? Three, four defensive ends are in that defensive tackle position, like Mike Daniels. So I thought defensive line would be better. The only problem with that is four, three defensive ends are technically defensive line two, and they're edge rushers, but whatever. You understand what I'm saying. From there, I have it broken down, uh, three-tech, five-tech, and nose-tackle. I understand nose tackle has a technique as well. I just want to make it as understandable as possible, and I thought 3-4 defensive tackle and 4-3 defensive end. I had that backwards, but whatever. Just a little too long to write it all out. also wanted to sound somewhat intelligent, so people took the site a little more seriously, thinking that I didn't know what it meant. But anyways, we do have two guys that are considered first round. Um, not the highest on the list, but who I want to start with is Raekwon Davis. I actually did a, a YouTube video slash Facebook video about Raekwon. I was home alone, and I was like, I want to test out this software, and I, I decided I wanted to look through some people, and I watched Raekwon Davis, and I was just blown away by the guy. Not everybody else was as blown away, but he is just an absolute wrecking ball type of guy. Now, I think the reason he probably didn't get as much love is because he wasn't as much of a pass rusher which obviously is, is the number one thing. If you're a great run defender and not a great pass rusher, that's, you know, the penetration thing. However, the guy's just a monstrous human being as far as throwing linemen out of his way. Uh, the one thing I kept saying about him is, is he's got bear paws. That's, that's my one claim to fame, except I'm not famous, but in my mind I am. Super famous for this one thing. But you just think about the power in a, a single bear's paw, right? If you've you always, I, I remember always hearing if a bear even so much as swipes at your head, it's probably coming clean off. This is the kind of guy, and I actually think it matters. I, I really like guys that have this. It, you know, some guys, they'll, they'll, defensive linemen, they'll grab with two hands and the guy will slip right through. Rashawn so much as get his, gets his fingers on you, you're coming straight down. He grabs your jersey and the guy gets ripped around like a rag doll. The power in his hands is ridiculous. He was sacking quarterbacks with his hand. He's got a blocker in front of him and just hits the quarterback in the chest and he goes down. That's what I'm talking about. That's scary power. So Raekwon's an absolute freak. So that would probably be, and you know, I don't want to say authoritatively that we're getting rid of Mike Daniels. I don't know that. It's just a contract situation. Now, he's still got it, in my opinion. I don't think he looked as impressive and he certainly wasn't as vocal. But the numbers are what the numbers are. He had a pass pressure rate of 13.7. I mean, that's up there with those elite pass rush guys that I say that we don't have, right? Well, we don't have the guys, you know, like Trey Flowers who are at 13.5. Well, we got Mike Daniels at 13.7. Now, he only had two sacks, so it wasn't quite as flashy. And I think the bigger, the real problem here is the fact that he was injured and didn't play the whole year. Right, so he needs to convert some of these to sacks because it does matter to some extent. You know, pressures are all great, but when you have, you know, 32 total pressures, 27 of them are hurries. Ideally, we're getting some more sacks, but still, 
I don't want to overinflate how important sacks are and say that hurries don't matter. That's 27 times out of only 233 attempts. Because remember, they didn't even put him on the field as much. Part of the reason I wasn't... <coughs> oh, this cough is killing me, folks. Part of the reason we weren't as, or I wasn't as impressed or enamored is the fact that they just didn't put him on the field. I don't know if it's just preserving him because we got a lot of guys and it's just a constant rotation, but Mike Daniels, when he was on the field, was getting pressures. Only one game, that was against San Francisco, he didn't have any pressures. He only had 17 total attempts. Very next game against the Rams, the game that we almost won against one of the Super Bowl caliber type teams, he had seven hurries in that game. Zero sacks, zero hits, so everybody's watching that thinking Mike Daniels wasn't even on the field. No, he had seven hurries. That's a lot. The guy played 28 pass rush snaps. That's one out of four times when he has to go get the quarterback. He's got the quarterback running for his life. So, you know, I I think if he can stay healthy, I want to keep him. But it's also a question of can we afford to keep him? You know, he's going to be 31 years old. Becomes a question. But anyways, getting back to what we're talking about. The big man on campus, and I've only watched one. To be honest, this is kind of the theme so far. I'm not super blown away by anybody. The wide receivers, I kind of get it, but, you know, whatever. Even the pass rushers. Quarterbacks I do kind of like, but I don't watch them too often, so I don't have a huge frame of reference. But wide receivers, you know, I kind of get it. Pass rushers, I see more potential than I see anything super great. We'll get into that next. Derek Brown was, again, I get it. I don't know that I get it top 10, you know, to that extent. But I think a lot of these, the more you watch it, the more you start to see stuff. But anyways, Mr. Derek Brown out of Auburn is the top dog. He's ranked ninth overall on my big board. Six foot five, 325 pounds. And I think with, with a guy like that, as soon as I hear 325, I'm thinking, okay, he's got to be a, a straight-up nose tackle, which I guess maybe he might be. But uh, he's a three-tech, meaning he's in a 4-3 defense. He's a defensive tackle. If he's got um, athleticism at 325, that's pretty awesome. The, the problem is guys like that, athletic 325-pound guys, just don't go that early. I mean, he would have to be a freak among freaks. And considering we just left a class that was a bunch of freaks, I just have a hard time believing he's really going to be a top 10 guy, right? Vita Vea was a very, very athletic 325, 330-pound guy. Dexter L- Lawrence right? Super freaky athletic guy that was 330 some pounds. I mean, at the end of the day, if he's just a good pass rusher and just gets at the quarterback, it doesn't matter. But with all these, again, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at it based on what I've seen in the past. I would be surprised if he maintained that top 10 kind of whatever, you know, Quinn and Williams was closer to 300 pounds. Ed Oliver was under 300 pounds. I don't know. I'm just saying, especially in a super offensive heavy class. You got quarterbacks coming off. You got wide receivers coming off. Running backs will probably fall, but you got tackles. You might have a bunch of tackles. Him going in the top 10 at 325 as a defensive tackle, I, I don't know. At this point, I just don't buy it, but we'll see. Either way, right now, he's kind of the, the ma- big man on campus. And that's the other thing that's going to have an impact as well, because the Packers are going to want pass rushers. There's no question about that. Now, they, they like the big boys that can that can you know bang in the middle, but if you can't get after it, it's just not going to work. Either way, however, even if these guys aren't super elite talents, you know, I don't know, would Derek Brown fall the way to the late first round or or pick 32, as I said yesterday? I think it's possible, but probably not. Raekwon maybe could, as much as it hurts my heart, and I really like him. Again, I think unless he can develop as a pass rusher, I think he's mostly a run defense guy. I would be pretty stoked. 
Again, I'd be the one guy in the Packers universe that would be excited about taking Raekwon Davis out of Alabama at pick 32. But a couple other people here. There's four guys that are uh, right now considered second-round values. Number one at 47 is Jabari Zuniga, defensive tackle out of Florida. He is a 3-4 defensive end. Um, right now he's sitting at six foot four, two fifty-seven. so he's very, very undersized. I would think he would have to kind of bulk up a little bit because if the Packers drafted Jabari Zuniga, it would have to be as an edge rusher. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what exactly they do with this guy because it's... I mean, I've seen guys in college that are smaller interior guys that are pretty successful. They just don't ever... First of all, they don't go early in the draft. I remember there was a guy a couple years ago, cannot remember who he was, but he was like... He was probably like in the 250s. He was a defensive lineman, but he was a freak because he got out of his stance so quick. He just flew past offensive linemen. There was a lot of hype about him, but I think he went like third, fourth-ish round. And and again, today I have no idea what his name is because he's probably not doing anything in the NFL. And I don't know, maybe they'll put him outside um, now that uh, Ja'Kai Polite is gone. And it could be one of those things where he kind of rotates. I don't know. I just went to our lads and they had him as a defensive end, so that's what I went with. That's where I get all this stuff from, and I just made fun of our lads. But, you know, I don't have a whole lot else to look at other than when I watch him on tape to see what he's doing. By the way, if you see anything on NFL Big Board that's not right, and I'm going to put this on the site eventually... Um, there's a lot of stuff and I, I have to do a lot of work and sometimes it's just completely wrong. I've, I've caught it where I've got guys, their, their position is wrong. Their school is wrong. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on with Excel. Sometimes just the wires get crossed and stuff is just wrong. If you see something that's wrong, you know, whether it's, you know, you click on their highlights and it goes to somebody else's highlights, whatever, send me an email, let me know. Sometimes I just get stuff messed up. Uh, the next guy on the list is Mr. Jalen Phillips, defensive lineman out of Miami. He's number 51 overall. I don't know his exact position, uh, but six foot five, 245 pounds. Another really, really small guy. I don't really understand it, but it is what it is. Um, clearly, this is another guy that's either going to be an outside linebacker for the Packers, or he's going to bulk up, or we're not going to draft him. At number 57, Rashard Lawrence, defensive tackle, another five tech out of Louisiana. Excuse me, out of LSU. Listed at six foot three, three hundred and seventeen pounds. That's a little bit more what I'm looking for. Again, being a five tech, he's he's used to being a three four defensive end. Not that it really matters because I don't think the Packers care anymore because there's so much that just doesn't make any sense as far as their defensive front. I think there's just a general prototype that you're looking for and you need to be able to play pretty much all across the the front and especially if you can play um, down and inside as a pass rusher and kick to the outside, all the better. I don't know if, if Lawrence has any ability at 6'3", 317. Getting a little big for what the Packers like, as weird as that seems. But uh, he last year was also a, a top 100 guy, but he had some knee issues, decided to go back to school. Then finally, at number 58, Javon Kinlaw, 3-tech uh, out of South Carolina, 6 foot 6", 302 pounds. So this guy's got disruption written all over him. Could be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, it, there's there's going to be questions. I always worry about these six foot six guys, and I know it's just, you know, I'm, I'm being kind of stereotypical based on something dumb like how tall somebody is. But a lot of these guys, you know, they're they're real long and they're they're real good at getting pushed into the backfield, but they also tend to get pushed around a little bit. It's just, it's hard to manage the size sometimes. Sometimes it comes at a disadvantage. You talk about Mike Daniels saying it's somewhat of an advantage being inside, being as short as he is because you got the leverage. At six foot six, some of these guys got those long arms and, and they can get some push into the backfield. But if your job is to just two gap and to hold your ground and make sure that nobody gets past you, sometimes these guys struggle with it. So I don't know, this is me talking about a guy I've never watched. But it's definitely something that when I do go and watch him, that's the first thing I'm going to want to see is if he can kind of hold the point of attack as well as get into the backfield and be disruptive. If he can, 
be real excited to get a guy like that on the the uh, the Packers defensive line. Anyways, kicking over to uh, edge rusher now. There shouldn't really be a need, especially early on. However, let me just throw this at you. What do we know about Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, and Rashawn Gary? Not a lot. I'm optimistic, but we already knew coming into this, none of the Preston or Zadarius, that is, are elite pass rushers. They all have potential because, remember, we got them like on the you know upswing of their careers. Maybe they're just going to keep going up and up and up, and we got a bunch of studs. Maybe they're a bunch of Nick Perrys who had one good year when it was their you know contract year, and then they're about to fall off. If Preston and Zadarius underwhelm, and Rashawn Gary is what a lot of people think he's going to be, suddenly we have a need there again. Now, similar to quarterback, I don't really want to talk about that too much, but it isn't impossible. Now, it's also possible that because we've invested so much, even if none of these guys can perform, we're not going first-round pass rusher because too bad we just took Rashawn Gary and we paid a ton of money for Preston and Zadarius. You will perform. But you know what? We're going to look at it anyways. So despite coming out of uh, one of the best uh, groups for defensive line, there's actually a pretty decent group here. I've got, um, let's see, four that are considered first-round grades, but I've also got one that is just outside of the first round who is kind of my favorite to be the top pass rusher, even though right now he doesn't quite have it. Uh, I think he's got those tools that could make him kind of the top guy. And then at pick 40 is somebody that I haven't watched recently, but I did not like at all. But anyways, the the top guy right now is Chase Young, edge rusher out of Ohio State. I do like Chase Young, and I've got somebody that listens that's very keen on everything I say about Ohio State, so i got to be careful here. But I do like him, and I, I think as far as, like, if I had to take a guy today to be a pass rusher, it would probably be Chase Young. He's kind of got that Nick Bosa-esque, I don't think he's as good as Nick or Joey, but he's just got that sort of consistent, keeps coming proficient, intelligent, you know, holds the edge, good pass rusher. Nothing really super jumps out, but he's just, he's efficient. He's hes good. He's going, getting after it. Based on what I saw, would I want to take a top five pick on him? I don't think so. But there's still another year of development. I think a lot of these pass rushers, that year is going to make a difference. Maybe not so much Epinesa, to be honest, but whatever. But six foot five, 265 pounds, obviously that is just, that's got Packers written all over it. Again, it would just absolutely crush me if uh, the Packers had to invest in a guy like Chase Young. Hopefully we would not need that, but um, you know, it would be cool to get a guy like that on the team. Next is A.J. Epinesa, edge rusher out of Iowa. I just I don't care for him. I mean, his stats are off the charts. He's about as, as strong and powerful of a man as I've ever seen. The only thing that comes to mind when I watch him is Calais Campbell. Calais Campbell. Just because he's so big. I mean, he's, he's like Frankenstein. I don't see anything super athletic about him. In fact, watching him make an effort at anything other than getting after the quarterback is the most painful thing I've ever seen. The lack of effort at getting guys that are even that even run to his side of the field. You'll have a running back run to his side of the field. There's somebody over there that's like trying to make a tackle. He doesn't even care. There's no thought like, well, what if he lets him go? Well, maybe I should hurry up. Nope, he's just going to walk in that general direction. It makes me so mad to see that. Zero hustle, zero any. His goal is I'm going to try to get the quarterback, and that's it. And actually, he's he's he's. I'm always surprised when I see his stats because I just don't, I can't see him as a, a high sack or pressure rate guy. But apparently, he's got good good numbers. Six foot five, two seventy seven. He looks like he's six foot nine, two hundred ninety pounds. He's he's super upright. I don't see any bend. I don't see any speed. Maybe I just need to watch again. I don't know what it is. Send me some highlights. I haven't watched. Maybe that's what I should do is just watch his highlights because that's usually 
when I don't like somebody, I have to just turn on the highlights to kind of see what everybody's getting all excited about. But I, I do. I feel like I'm watching Frankenstein when I watch him play. So, not a huge fan. I mean, if you just want a monstrous human being that nobody would ever run against, that can literally take offensive tackles and throw them on the ground to get after the quarterback, that's like his, that's like his move. The old pick up the, uh, the 330-pound tackle, slam him on his face, and then go get the quarterback move. That move that only one person in the universe has, and it's A.J. Epinesa, that move. Yeah, I mean, then you should draft him. But I don't know. I, I just It's fun to watch because he's so freakishly strong, but it's also really annoying to watch because I feel like he's just a really strong guy that's not good at anything else. But again, his stats are apparently really, really good, so maybe I just don't know what I'm talking about. It's just like how I was super surprised to see guys like Cleveland Furl have great stats. How? I don't. <laughs> he doesn't ever seem to do anything. When I'm watching him, he doesn't get any sacks. I don't know what's going on. But those are the the uh, top two guys. Another guy that they're starting to get a little bit more hype on is um, Kenny Willickus, defensive end out of Michigan State. A lot of Big Ten folks here. But Kenny, although he is a defensive end, is kind of built like an outside linebacker. White dude with super long hair, 6'4", 262. I mean, he's... You know the guy, right? The Clay Matthews guy. But anyways, his his stats are pretty off the uh, off the reservation here. PFF had him at 72 quarterback pressures, 41 stops, 78 tackles, 20.5 for a loss in his junior season. He had a 90.5 overall grade. I mean, those stats are just ridiculous, man. I mean, f- NFL football players in 16 games getting 72 pressures is a lot. What did he play? 12? God. That's ridiculous, man. And I'm getting excited. I got to go watch this guy. But anyways, he would be next on that list. Then at 30, I've got Nick Coe, outside linebacker out of Auburn, six foot five, two eighty two, kind of on that that you know the edge where the Packers really like him. Maybe not Ted Thompson and uh, and and Dom Capers so much, but uh, Mike Pettin and Gutekunst like those six five, two hundred eighty pound monsters. And then finally, and he's technically number 33 overall. But as a guy that I'm the most intrigued with, who I think is at this point very unpolished, actually very frustrating at times, but I think has that potential to be the top edge rusher, depending on how much he can develop. But that's uh, Yatura Grossmatos, edge rusher out of Penn State. I really think he has a lot of those attributes, and he looks very similar to the uh, like the Miles Garrett types. Real long arms, looks kind of scrawny, but he's kind of got that gazelle kind of speed. I don't know. There's just something about him. It's just when I watch him, and it's not even my type, but I just watch him, and it's like, oh, that's the kind of guy that always does really well that I don't really like, but the NFL loves. The Miles Garrett types, the Arden Key types, prior to him gaining 7,000 pounds, being 290 and, and completely falling off and having a terrible NFL career. That's the type. And he does flash. I've seen it when he can just completely shoot into the backfield and he's got those really strong bear paw hands. He'll grab a guy with one hand and just rip him to the ground. Like, just see the flash and it's like, oh, that's that thing, man. If he can develop that, I'm telling you, he's going to be the number one pass rusher. However, he's also the guy who's got tight ends putting him right back on the back of his skull because he's just, I don't know, got, you know, as strong as he's, he's got the power somewhere in him. He just doesn't know what he's doing out there, I don't think. And he's getting bullied by tight ends and stuff. That That's the kind of thing he's not even going to be a second-round pick if he can't get better. So pretty wide spectrum as far as where he's going to fall. But he's, if he can develop, is what I'm saying, and develop what it is he does best and work on stuff like holding the edge, not getting pushed around by tackles and, and tight ends and running backs, I think he's he's built like a really premier pass rusher. 
He just has that look to me. He's uh, six foot five, two sixty-five. Obviously, those numbers aren't anything spectacular. There's a lot of guys built that way, but just just go watch him and tell me he doesn't just look like a pass rusher. So the next guy, there's a bunch of of second round guys. Anthony Jennings. I remember watching last year. Maybe things have changed. Zero impressed. Nada impressed. Nothing. Watched him complete. Just turned it off. Like what in the world is that? So I don't know. Uh, Curtis Weaver out of Auburn, another Auburn guy. Terrell Lewis out of Alabama. And then Khalid Kareem out of Notre Dame would be the second round guys to check out if you were so inclined. But anyways, uh, take a little break and then we'll get into some stuff that uh, would make a little bit more sense. I want to talk about linebackers because I think we need some. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So as per usual, linebackers are never super premium positions, but there are two that I have in the top 32 and one that's just outside. So there's definitely some potential that there is a a pretty good linebacker that could fall to the Packers because, again, all I'm trying to do is if the Packers are 32, can I find 32 guys that I want to fall to the Packers? And again, the fact that there's this many wide receivers, this many tackles, this many running backs, this many whatever that we could use, um, add three linebackers to that list, and I'm pretty excited about things. But number one on that list is Isaiah Simmons. He comes in at number 17 overall, which is pretty high for a linebacker. Uh, but Clemson Tigers, six foot two, 230 pounds, kind of small. Uh, he plays strong side linebacker for the Clemson Tigers. I can't imagine at 230 he's going to be doing a lot of that um, in the NFL. Uh, One of the big things that is his sort of claim to fame right now is that he did a foot race with running back Travis Etienne, Travis Etienne, uh, the running back that I talked about yesterday, maybe the best running back in the nation. It was a step-for-step race. I mean, it was basically a tie. Now, I I don't exactly know what Etienne runs, but to have a linebacker that's that's running that fast is it really speaks uh, volumes because that's what matters now, right? You, You have to be fast. Now, you have to actually be able to do something with that speed, but that's sort of the baseline. You have to be fast to be able to shoot into the backfield, to get sideline to sideline, and to cover. All those things require speed. Now, you have to have the the quick processor in your mind, and you have to have coverage ability. You have to be able to be strong and shed blocks, and there's a lot of other things to it. But again, that's the baseline. If you don't have the speed, you're worthless to us in the NFL. Right? You can't do anything for us. You can compensate by that by being really intelligent or being a, a limited role player, but if you're going to be an every-down linebacker that's going to be out there, you know, first down, second down, third down, fourth down, short yardage, long distance, coverage, run defense, whatever, there is a baseline for speed, so he at least obviously crosses, crosses that threshold. At number 23, Dylan Moses, weak side linebacker out of Alabama, one of the many Alabama folk that are seen as, as top prospects. And yet another Alabama linebacker, but he's clocking in at six foot three, two hundred and thirty-five pounds. 
One interesting thing to note, and I, I don't know if it's really going to pan out, but apparently Alabama's been working him out as a outside linebacker, you know, a pass rusher on the outside. I'm thinking at 6'3", 235, he's probably going to stay inside. But I think that increased versatility is going to help him a little bit. They're talking about just using him in certain packages as an outside pass rusher, which, again, isn't the end of the world or isn't, isn't the worst thing for your draft stock if you can pull that off. I don't think a guy like Mike Pettin would hate that super much, even though we don't really do that all that often. It's not something I think he'd be super shy about doing. And then lastly, he's technically at 35, but we'll call him a first-round guy, is Mr. Patty Fisher out of Northwestern. Probably a pretty familiar name for some people that were paying attention last year. But he is the middle linebacker for the Northwestern Wildcats, six foot four, 241 pounds. The man had 116 tackles last year. The year before that, 113. That's ridiculous. Uh, he's labeled as a tackling machine, which again doesn't really matter because you have to be able to do all these different things. And if you're just a tackler, that's awesome. You'll be a really good third, fourth round draft pick. Nobody's going to take a guy that just is a tackling machine in the first round. It's not going to happen. Maybe starting in the second round. I don't know. I don't know at what point a really good tackler goes off the board, but I really don't think it's going to be in the first round. Unless you at least have some kind of speed and people think you can develop into that. And I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying that's that's what's being pushed out there. I just don't think that's valued as much anymore. But if he can at least help out in zone coverage, which apparently, according to Kyle Krabs, he can, then he's, he's got a shot at being a first-round guy. I think, I think 35 is kind of, at this point, kind of makes sense. But uh, one more little nugget. He had the highest run-stop percentage among all FBS linebackers with 15.8%. So... I'm willing to bet against the run, there's just nobody better. Again, the question is, though, what can he... Because you get a guy like this that is elite against the run, if he can do anything in coverage, he could easily be a first-round pick because he's just going to be solid. Right? You know what his strengths are, you know what his weaknesses are, but if you're just asking him to be a zone linebacker and he can cover space adequately, he's, he's yeah, he, he'll be fine. Um, looking at cornerback, I think this is going to be a big year because it's it's going to go... Probably one of two ways. I suppose that there is a, a potential that it could split down the middle where we're still sitting here going, I don't know what we have at corner. But either guys are going to develop or they're not. This is a prove-it year for Kevin King. In 2020, it is his fourth year. If he doesn't perform this year, I, I don't see how it's possible we're going to pick up his fifth-year option. If he gets injured again, I don't see how it's possible we're going to pick up his option. What I think would be more likely is that we just get rid of him. Or maybe we don't get rid I don't know. He doesn't cost very much in year four in 2020, $2.2 million. But if Kevin King isn't it, we have to draft somebody because he's gone after this year, right? After 2020, talking about this year in terms of what we're talking about next year. Then it becomes a question of did Jair get better and how much better? Did Josh Jones, excuse me, Josh Jackson get better? I hate that so much. I hate that both of these guys are on this team. I will never get that right. But Josh Jackson is on this team. Did he get better? How much better? If we've got three young cornerbacks that can step up and be awesome, we could have a very, very, very good, we're talking top 10, top 5 cornerback unit. If, you know, it goes the other direction and Jair gives us pretty much what he gave us last year, uh, Josh Jackson doesn't improve, and Kevin King gets hurt again, we don't have good corners. Jair is a pretty good corner, Kevin King is going to be gone, and Josh Jackson seems like it was not a good pick for Petten's scheme. In which case, this is a dire need. So again, I don't know. And I really hope, obviously, that we have a great cornerback unit and don't need to worry about it. But it is not impossible that in 2020 we're talking about a need at cornerback again. And I think as Packer fans, I shouldn't have to convince you too hard 
that sometimes you draft corners early and sometimes it doesn't really work out. We've almost never seen it work out. Jair is the one example in like five years where we've seen a cornerback go early and it's worked out. But anyways, looking at cornerbacks, uh, I've got three first-round grades, and then there's um, a couple that are kind of close. So number one at 14 overall is C.J. Henderson out of Florida, six foot one, 179 pounds, pretty undersized, but a real consistent defender. I'm guessing most people are going to want him to bulk up a little bit, but pretty consensus first-round pick at this point in time. Uh, after that is Bryce Hall. I've got him at 18 overall. Um, PFF had him as one of the top corners in the nation. Had just a 69 passer rating and forced a completion uh, an incompletion on 31.9% of opposing targets, which is ridiculous. One-third of the time when he's targeted, he forced an incompletion. That's ridiculous. Um, another little tidbit here, just to give you an idea where he's at. Now, granted, it wasn't a super strong cornerback class, but even at that, good chance if he came out in 2019, he's the first cornerback off the board. So six foot one, 200 pounds, he's got more of that that uh, cornerback size that everybody's looking for I don't exactly know what his athletics are but this is one of those situations where I think if he can just go and continue to play well and lock it down and put up similar stats I don't think his his combine is going to matter all that much right I mean look at DeAndre Baker DeAndre Baker had the right size he had great tape he had a terrible combine and for a little while everybody's like oh he's gonna fall and then he just went in the first round anyways it was fine no big deal so if he can just continue to dominate at 6'1", 200 pounds over there at Virginia, I think he'll be fine to go in the first round. Uh, next up at 20 overall, Christian Fulton out of LSU, 6'192". 192. Um, again, last year's class wasn't super strong, but again, just for context, um, uh, Mike Renner out of PFF says that he believes Fulton is actually a better corner than Greedy Williams was. Now, Greedy went 46th overall, which again isn't all, all that impressive, but for those of you that watched and really like Reedy Williams, Fulton supposedly is a better cornerback. So if all these things are true, and, and maybe this is just hype for 2020, right? It, it, it's, it seems relatively unlikely that everybody's, oh, if he came out last year, they all would have been better. And then apparently we just had a terrible draft class last year, which some people said was true. Uh, and then the last two guys, and they're actually at 38 and 39, so technically second round at this point. But guys to keep an eye on, Trevon, Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama, because you got to have an Alabama guy in there. Six foot two, two hundred pounds, big dude. Uh, he does have injury. A lot of these guys have some injury issues. Uh, he ended up breaking his foot. Hopefully that doesn't hold him out too much. That's something people are going to be watching to see if there's a a lessening of speed or any of that kind of stuff. If not, he'll be fine. And then, uh, I'm sorry, Trav- Trayvon Diggs was supposed to be the second one. Jalen Johnson is at 38 out of Utah. Um, six foot, 190 pounds. Don't have a whole lot of information on him, but you should definitely go check it out because again. NFLBigBoard.com, you go pull this guy up. I've got highlights, i got film, and I've got news for all of them. Again, I spent a lot of time making sure that I've got something for just about everybody. So out of all the 169, with the exception of a few linemen, highlights, film, and news is all there. And as I mentioned, I don't have scouting reports yet, but I am going to work on that. Figure something out. Anyways, lastly, I want to look at safeties. Hopefully isn't going to be a need, but at the very least, there could be some depth issues. Uh, number one on this list, and this is somebody I would be shocked if he's not a top 10 guy, but Grant Delpit, safety out of LSU. Um, I've heard his name prior to this, but one of the things that really caught my attention is when there was an interview with Devin White, and he was asked who's going to be kind of a stud, and he, he picked somebody that was in the NFL that he said was going to be a stud, and then without any hesitation, the guy that he played with that's going to be a stud was Grant Delpit. He said, I think, I think the statement that he made was, Grant Delpit was the only, 
don't know if it's the only guy on their team now or the only guy in LSU history. I don't know. But the only guy to start as a freshman. In other words, he stepped onto the field as a freshman and boom, he's a starter. He beat all the guys that are already playing at safety. He said, that just does not happen at LSU. That's crazy. This guy is an absolute phenom. He's a freak. So Grant Delpit is a very, very unique guy. Uh, you know, there, there's usually, it's usually pretty consistent. When you hear hype about a safety, and again, I'm just kind of going off my recent knowledge to kind of gauge what I think is going to happen, right? We always hear about wide receivers. There's a great elite wide receiver, and he ends up falling late first, early second. That's kind of why I'm not super high on Jerry Judy. Safeties, though, you start hearing about some of these elite safeties. Usually when they're, when they're talked up like Grant Delpit's talked up, they're going to go kind of early. They're going to go top 10. But six foot three, 203 pounds, so he's got the size to go with it. Uh, there's no question. I mean, he, he's going to be one of those guys. He's going to have a great combine. He's going to have great stats. He's going to have great film. He's got great size. He's going top 10, man. Pending any injuries or anything like that, you know, Matt Miller has him number three overall prospect in this class. He's a freak, man. He, he's, he's just going to... It's not going to matter because we're not going to get him because we're picking at pick 32 and Grant's going potentially top five. But definitely check him out for anybody that's just a fan of football because he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. The only other guy that's even considered a first-round guy at this point or even close to it at 28 overall, I've got Xavier McKinney out of Alabama because, again, got to have an Alabama guy. I think especially at safety, there's always got to be one first-round safety to go for Alabama. At least somebody that's first-round hype. Last year they didn't get their guy. He fell pretty far. But 6'1", 196, fits the profile. And again, if we draft the safety, I'm, I'm hoping... There it is. Hold up. Hold up. Oh, I didn't set a 5 o'clock alarm. All right. Sorry, no journey, folks. Just, 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 Galaxy. But if, it, but if we end up... Whew, the stuttering is real right now. Holy cow. If we get a safety, I'm hoping it's just for depth. If you'd like to look at other safety prospects, check out J.R. Reed out of Georgia, Aloha Gilman out of Notre Dame, Joe, <laughs> speed it up and you messed it up already, Jalen Thompson, Washington State, Brandon Jones out of Texas, Jordan Fuller, Ohio State, you catch that, Ohio State, see, I got your back, man, David Dowell out of Michigan State, and Richie Grant, UCF. Because I do think, as far as depth is concerned, we do have kind of an issue. Not that it really matters, because safeties, they, they just play every snap. There is no rotation. If you got a safety, he's playing 1,100 snaps. So really, it's just sort of an injury slash who's your nickel safety going to be, nickel, dime, whatever. Otherwise, you got your guys. But it's still nice to have depth for the sake of injuries. So anyways, there you go. There's a peek at the 2020 draft class as I have it so far. Probably looked at about 40 guys over the last two days or so. Most of which don't really matter because it's not people that we think at this point are going to be really big needs, but it will be interesting to revisit this later in the season as things start to develop. As we kind of get a look at, you know, what does our offensive line actually look like? What do our safeties actually look like? What do the pass rushers and defensive line actually look like? What's going on with these linebackers? How dire of a situation is this? Wide receiver, are we all right or are we kind of in trouble here? Tight end, whatever. But um, anyways, there's a peek. Again, head over to NFLBigBoard.com to be able to get all of this information. Otherwise, you folks, do your best to enjoy this Monday, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Fare thee well. <laughs>